The Brewing Network is proud to present Beer Radio that turns ordinary homebrew into award-winning beer. The Jameel Show. And now, your hosts, Jameel Zainashef and John Gleese. Good morning, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, Johnny. Hi, buddy. I'm here with uh, the California Homebrew of the Year for 2006, John Plisse. I'm Jamel Zanishev. I'm Jonathan Plisse. It's going to be a funky one today. Coffee already kicking in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't sound too good when you first came in. No, I just spit up my lung. One or both lungs? One. <laughs> okay. Well, today we're talking about uh, Flanders Red Ale. Yes, we are. The funkness. Yes. Before we get to that, I wanted to cover a couple of things. One is, um, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it already or not, but uh, I'm doing this uh, uh, Brew Your Own column. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the style profile columnist for uh, Brew Your Own magazine. Congrats. That's yeah. great. So, uh all this information in uh, written form, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, uh, writing it, writing it down gives me a chance to actually think about what's being said instead of just uh, rambling on. Then we're gonna get like a Jamil Z tell all kind of book. <laughs> yes, yeah. the tell all book. The yes. tell all book. <laughs> all my secrets. Yeah, none of them having to do with brewing, but <laughs> all my secrets. Personal secrets. <laughs> well, and and one of the things. So that's. You know, eating up a bunch of time, and uh, I got a lot of things, juggling a lot of balls in the air right now. Right. Wow. So perhaps it is is that I've got all these things to do. Right. That when I get an email, you know, I don't mind people emailing, asking questions, and you know, needing help with stuff. That's that's great. Uh, glad that uh, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's mm-hmm. it's great to be able to help people out on this stuff. But when you're asking a question about something really basic and really simple, if you're just starting out in brewing. Like how basic? Yeah, it's just like, well, you know, does the sanitizer go into the water? Does it go into the malt extract? You know, <laughs> what do I use the sanitizer for? Do I, you know, rinse my mouth with the sanitizer? Yeah. Or, you know, things like that, uh, you know. Don't brew, dude, if you no. don't have it. No. <laughs> no. Well, you know, try, you know, pick up a book. Uh, you know, uh, John Palmer's uh, How to Brew is a great book. Perfect. And uh, really a uh, lot of great information there. Read through that. That'll answer a lot of the questions you might have. And uh, the forum, you know, the thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, or More Beers Forum. Or More Beers yeah. Forum. Uh, you know, Northern Brewer has a forum. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of them. The Green Board. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. And uh, tons of people with great experience, and they can they can answer uh, the majority of these these types of questions. Basically, you're spent on time, and you don't have time to do it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thrashed, and uh, you know I'm getting a lot of these questions. I'm trying to answer as many as I can, and as fast as I can. And uh, how many emails are you getting? You think a week, just on beer related stuff? Hundreds. Wow, hundreds. Wow. Hundreds. So, uh, yeah, I I just need to uh, try and uh, maximize uh, the time I'm spending on on. Uh, you know, getting these other things done. 
once I'm through those, then I'll have more time for the more basic questions. But if you can, you know, hold off on the real basic ones, mm-hmm. you know, some people have some really good questions and, you know, uh, such good questions that, you know, I think they always, uh, you know, bear repeating mm-hmm. uh, on the air. But, uh, sometimes, especially like we're getting a lot more yeah. real basic ones that yeah. people could, uh, try and. I'm going to start sending you themselves. basic questions. <laughs> you know, thank probably you, need John. the help, but. Yeah, I, I some random that. email. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. I appreciate the uh, help, John. That's that's can, really kind of you. I can just see your kids now, just like, Daddy, come on, leave the computer. Dad, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's already pretty much that <laughs> way. Seven thirty is dinner times, kids. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time for the computer. Uh, all right, so all right, Flanders Red Ale. Yeah, I've had this of yours, by the way, like three uh-huh. years ago. And you placed at the Nationals, I think, a few times, haven't you, with this beer? Yeah, it's it's done yeah. pretty good. Um, and I think it is one of the trickiest beers to brew, but I've come up with a system for brewing it that is fairly repeatable and easy to get good results. Is it consistent? Uh, yes. Nice. And more consistent than the traditional methods. Like blending? You don't blend or anything? No, I, I don't do any blending. Oh, you're not traditional. Right, so uh, why don't uh, we start off? Uh, tell us about uh, Flanders. Well, Flanders, uh, visually it's red, mm-hmm. maybe some hues of brown, uh, nice head on it, you know, tan head. Uh, the aroma should be, you'll notice in the city or, or a sour edge coming through. Um, some fruitness, some esters, maybe a little bit of the ale strain from the spiciness, but very little bit. Uh, as far as the flavor is concerned, you'll probably get some plum, oranges, black cherries. Uh, should be a malty beer from a lot of the uh, crystal malts that you're going to be using, specialty or uh, Vienna malt. Uh, it's usually an easy session beer, about 5%, easy drinking, and, you know, um, most the most intense flavor would probably be the acidity coming through and the sourness. Um, it's definitely a percolate beer, you know, and it's almost like a farmhouse beer, I would say, just mm-hmm. red in color and easy drinking and sour. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I, 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 I pretty much agree with that. I think... Uh uh, my, uh, take on it is that, uh, you know, they, they range in sourness. And so, uh, ones people might be familiar with would be like a Rodenbach or a Rodenbach Grand Cru. So they have, uh, uh, regular Rodenbach, which is actually, they, they brew this sour beer and they bottle it up. And that's Rodenbach Grand Cru. Uh, it's aged, you know, a number of years and it's gotten quite sour. And fairly dry because the the sourness the uh, the bugs are eating up all those residual uh, sugars that mm-hmm. unfermentable sugars and it ends up fairly dry not not too dry there's still some malt character to it and uh, some malt sweetness but uh, you know quite sour not as sour as you know the most sour lambics but uh, okay. fairly sour okay then they take. Um, an unsoured beer, and they blend that 75% of this un- unsoured beer with 25% of what is essentially the Grand Cru, wow. and that is regular Rodenbach. Okay. So it's not nearly as sour. It's still quite tart and sour, 
but there's quite a bit more maltiness mm-hmm. and residual sugar there to balance that sourness. Mm. And it's a much easier drinking beer. And that's actually my favorite is regular Rodenbach. Now, do they do that historically and continually with that same blend, or do they just always have a grand crew around? And Yeah, the, I'm sure the, the levels of uh, the amounts that they blend huh. vary. Okay. And... They're, they're doing all sorts of blending. They have these massive, uh, vats and they're, you know, blending, uh, different portions to get, uh, you know, a, a fairly consistent product. Hmm. And are they blending all this in oak? Or uh, yeah, there's, 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 there you use oak, large oak vats. Wow. As well. Okay. So there is some oak character there. Huh. The, uh, other commercial brews that people may be familiar with, like, uh, the Duchess or, uh, um, there's a, yeah, I've had the Dutchies before. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, what you'll find in a lot of those is actually they use either uh, you know some sort of saccharin or they'll they'll sweeten it back using mm. uh, an artificial sweetener that won't ferment. Mm. And it's actually fairly common. I've seen that in most of them. And it, actually, they'll say on the label a lot of times you'll see yeah. saccharin listed, huh. and uh, you know it has that kind of artificial sweetener kind yeah. of thing. Which is, uh, sound good. yeah, you know, I, I, I like the way Rodenbach does it, which yeah. they're blending with, uh, unsoured beer to, uh, you know, and a fairly sweet unsoured beer to, to build that back up. And it has a much nicer taste, mm. I think. That's a lost art, you know, blending. Right. And yeah. something like that, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of time and is, it's more expensive, obviously, than mm. just tossing in some saccharin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these ones that do it, I, and, you know, in Belgium, they don't think, uh, a lot, they don't see it as being wrong to, you know, just sweeten something back if right. they need to. And it makes it more approachable by the general consumer, I think, is mm. part of what they're doing. They're like winemakers. Yeah, yeah, they don't it's, care what they, they put in there. As long blend as, it, and as long as the end product tastes the way they want it to taste, yeah. you know, they're, they're fine with that. Which is something that, you know, we tend to go, oh my god, how can you do that? How can mm. you add saccharin or yeah. table sugar to something? When did you first have a Flanders Red? Uh, you know, quite a few years ago. I'm not sure. It's been, been quite a while. Hmm. But, uh, it is absolutely, uh, one of my, my favorite styles. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, I really like the Schwartz beer. I really like, you know, all these, and of the funky beers. That's the Flanders one. red. Yeah. Because it can be, uh, you know, quite balanced and, and easy to drink. It's got that tartness and a little bit of, a slight uh, barnyardy kind of mm-hmm. thing going on, not much, but a little bit. And it's tasty, uh, though. Yeah, it, you know? and and it ends up a really drinkable uh, style. So just a, a joy to have. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. In the so the 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 trick is in getting that balance between the the sour and the funky and the uh, Residual sweetness, mm-hmm. and you can you can do it a couple of ways. You can make a make the recipe we're going to be make one version with uh, just straight California ale yeast, and have this sweet unsoured beer. Why not a Belgian yeast? And then because uh, a lot of the Belgian phenolics are not appropriate in this style. Okay, uh, you know there's a couple examples out there where they do that, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, it's too much going on. Right. If you ask me, I like it to be a little little more straightforward. Okay. Uh, and if you go with the, uh, so you, you, you can brew this unsoured beer and then brew a version soured with uh, all the appropriate bugs and then blend them 
just fifty fifty to get the well. It's, it's going to depend. Yeah, you're going to do it by taste, mm-hmm. but you may end up with only using twenty five percent of the soured beer and you know one hundred percent of the non soured, and you're going to need to go that route. And some people do that. I've got some friends. They've got uh, barrels and they're blending and they're doing that whole thing. Nice. And the results are 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 okay, but. Um, you th- do you think it's better to ferment it all at once in one fermenter? Well, I what what I've been doing Uh-oh. is I do it all at one time. I there's no need for blending, and I'm ending up with a pretty consistent result in the primary the whole way through. Uh, yes and no. Okay, I'll I'll get into that what, process here. In a, that's that's the thing. Okay, so one of the keys to getting enough residual malt sweetness and the key to getting enough malt character to balance that uh, sour and barnyard character is quite a bit of specialty malts. Now, I seriously doubt that Rodenbach is adding all this junk into their their beer. Right. But the resulting flavor, i got to say, is very, very close between this and between... Rodenbach. Wow. I'm so, curious now. Uh, that That's, you know, part of the key. So I can't explain exactly why you this can, would be that close, but... And this is your original recipe? This is my original recipe. Oh, my God. And this, uh, yeah, this was created uh, almost in a vacuum, uh, but it, it worked out just just fantastic. And other people have brewed this and had great, great success with it. Mm. So most of the base of this is... Uh, Pilsner malt, so Pilsner in Vienna. Uh, it's it's almost half-half uh, uh, Pilsner in Vienna, in this case, uh, for a six-gallon, six-U.S.-gallon, 23-liter batch. Anticipated original gravity is going to be 1061 or 15 Plato. And we're going to go with a 90-minute boil, assuming a 70% efficiency Four and a half pounds of Pilsner malt. It's about two kilos of Pilsner malt. Five pounds of Vienna. Or 2.26 kilos of Vienna. The, then we're getting into the specialty grains. We're going with a half pound of aromatic. About a, a quarter kilo of uh, aromatic. Three pounds of Munich malt. Which is about uh, 1.36 kilos. A half pound of Kara Munich. Which mm. is, uh, about a quarter kilo. And a half pound of wheat, which is about, uh, again, a quarter kilo wow. of wheat. And so the aromatic, the care Munich, the special B, the wheat, right. and then a, a healthy portion of Munich and Vienna. Right. And then, you know, you're, you end up, your Pilsner is down to about 31%. Holy of total mackerel. So it's a lot of these uh, multi-flavors and things. And what's going to happen... Is the bugs that you're putting in there? Mm-hmm. They're gonna they, the regular yeast will not ferment out these specialty malts, right? So you're gonna end up with uh, if you ferment this with just cow ale yeast, you're gonna end up with quite a bit of residual uh, sweetness in there. Yeah, your original was 1060. I mean, yeah, you're, well, you're, you're it's not gonna attenuate. It's <laughs> gonna attenuate down like the 1020s. Wow, okay. which is where you want it, right? And then the bugs eat those residual sugars hmm. and work them down, and uh, 
that's that's where the sweetness, the sourness comes from. How how from like how much further down does it go? From like if it was a ten twenty, it's hard to predict. Uh, but yeah, it'll go. Uh, you know, maybe to ten nine, ten ten. Hmm. It depends on the level of bugs you put in there and the temperatures and how long you let it go until you refrigerate it, things like that. Hmm. All right. So uh, after the break, we will. Uh, Talk about the hops and a little bit of the mash schedule and uh, mm-hmm. extract really things like that. And contaminate you. Not only can you order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Look for the all-new More Beer monthly podcast at morebeer.com later in January. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear coupon codes during the podcast to save you money. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. And don't forget to check in later this month for the new More Beer monthly podcast, a production of the Brewing Network. This is the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about Flanders Red Ale, which mm-hmm. is a sour beer from the Flanders region of uh, Belgium. Mm-hmm. When you wrote your recipe, did you do it all by taste? Yes, and, yes. And you were just like, huh, I get this malt, maybe a little bit of this malt, right. maybe a little bit of this. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You, you notice that. Yeah, th- this is one of those recipes where you just don't find this recipe on the street and be like, hey, Ray Daniels can have a Fender's Red Ale, and, you know. Right. He probably yeah. has one, but. I had never seen anything along the lines of this recipe for this style of beer. It's, it's unique. It's un- unusual, yes. <laughs> and it works well. So we were going over the grains before the break, and so we got 31% Pilsner malt. Uh, 34.5% Vienna, 20.7% Munich, 3.4% of each of the following. Aromatic, Caramunich, Special B, and Wheat Malt. Hmm. Now, for the hops on this, I like to use uh, Kent Goldings. And I will just use it for bittering at uh, 60 minutes. I'll do a... Uh, I've got a 5.7% alpha uh, Golding's hop. I'll use uh, uh, 0.7 ounces of uh, the East Kent Golding's at 60 minutes or 20 grams, which is uh, gives me about 15.5 IBUs. Mm. So not a lot of bittering. Enough to kind of carry uh, some of the sweetness. But, uh, again, some of that sweetness is going to get uh, eaten up. And right. normally in a 1060-some-odd beer, you would go with uh, quite a bit more bittering. Even in a Bach, you're going to have more than 15 IBUs. Mm-hmm. You're going to get up into the 20s. Uh, 
And you're pretty conservative on those. Yeah, so you, you're going to go less, and the reason is, and if you taste this before it sours, it's going to be, you know, way too sweet. Yeah. I would not want a real sour beer and bitter. Ugh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that does not sound good. Right, right. Yeah, if yeah. it's real bitter and sour, it doesn't go well. Not at all. Now, the other thing about this is you age it over time, and so any bittering there also drops. So your bittering drops even more over time, because this, this beer takes about a year to make. Really? Yeah. Before you even drink it? Yeah. Wow. Takes about a year. And how long does it ferment for? Uh, technically, about a year. <laughs> I, I, I want to interrupt with with a little side. The other day, yeah, go for I, it. I, 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 Trader Joe's sells these pomegranate seeds that are already removed from the pomegranate because uh-huh. I'm, you know, being as rich and lazy as I am. Right, right. Uh, I can't afford to the time to take apart my own pomegranate, so I can buy the seeds <laughs> from Trader Joe's in these packs. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, my wife bought like three of these packs. I ate the first two; they were great. And the third pack, they were carbonated. Oh no! They had fermented, they had fermented oh, cool. inside the little things, and they were like all spritzy <laughs> as I was eating them. And I'm thinking, well, and they taste kind of funky too. And so I had some more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, this is really this is really bizarre. You know, they're they're carbonated, and they're they're like spritzing in my mouth as I as I chew them. Yeah. It's, and uh, it's unique. And I'm like, and the flavor's kind of funky. I wonder what kind of spoilage organism is, you know, doing this. And yeah. Whether it's like a wild yeast or, you know, yeah. did you play it? or whatever. <laughs> no, I uh, didn't. Uh. Because after like, you know, the third spoonful of these things, I'm thinking, you know, this could be something that could kill me because this isn't beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is this is a food that, you know, the I know, I'm not sure the acidity is low enough, but maybe in a pomegranate seed it is. I I, I hope I so. didn't want to take any chances. Because I'm thinking, E. coli. You know, yeah, it could be. Yeah, who knows? You know, somebody yeah. somebody's picking fruit and wiping them, not washing. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, so I, I threw the rest away. But well, you look good. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling okay. Okay. So I don't think it was anything really bad. I wish I could have been there to see your face. <laughs> I was quite surprised. Yeah, you know, things you know exploding in your mouth is kind of a unique experience. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't like things uh, exploding in my mouth. <laughs> I don't like JP. I'm, uh, yeah. Well, a lot of people confuse you and JP. No. That's, because that's, your initials are JP. They they think you're the same people. Just call me Jip. <laughs> yeah. J- you're, you're John and uh, JP, Justin, uh, call me J- hey, Jason huh? Petros. Call me <laughs> so, Hey You. Somebody else. Yeah. All right. So sorry about that aside. But that's a good story. The, the, so, um, again, the sourness, you don't want the sour and the bitter. And what we're going to do is you're going to ferment this out. You're going to make this wort. I use a uh, mash temperature of around 154 or 68 degrees C and a mash out temp of 168, 76 degrees C, and then sparge, you know, like normal, 170, 77 degrees C. So you do high mash, long chain, long chain dextrins. You want yeah, yeah, to get you that know, maltiness through? or Fairly, and... Uh, one of the things that uh, I'll do is I'll ferment with, uh, I'll pitch one tube of California ale yeast or one smack pack of California ale yeast, uh, the 1056 or, or uh, Cal ale yeast, into this wort. And I'll hold it around 65 degrees. I don't want it to ferment a lot. I want to, it to be like a semi-incomplete fermentation. Well, you, so you want it to actually poop out before it even right. goes to terminal. Yeah, I don't. Need, I don't want it to. I don't want it to finish out right. That's why I'm, I'm shooting for in the ten twenties. Wow, in the finishing gravity. So is that why your gravity is higher than 
the guidelines? I mean, you got your original gravity. I mean, right. And and what 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 we're doing there is, you know, you need a clean fermentation, not a lot of funky things. If you want to use a Belgian uh, strain and get some phenolics in there, you can. But uh, I like to use the clean Calil yeast. Get it down there to a certain point. And if you don't do all these these tricks, yeah, Calil yeast is pretty attenuative. Right. So you get it down to this point, and then what I use is I'll, I'll, I can do this in whatever container you want, and then I'll transfer this to a plastic bucket, and I'll add some oak cubes, hmm. add about uh, an ounce of medium, French medium toast. Nice. And uh, if you want to sanitize those, you get yourself a cup of boiling water and pour that on the oak cubes and let it sit for... 10 minutes right. and 15 minutes and then you can just toss the whole thing into the bucket you know and get that oak flavor in there too and then uh, I add the beer and then I add Weiss Rose Lair mm-hmm. uh, package which is a blend of it's got California Ale yeast in it or the 1056 yeast in it really and it's got uh, you know uh, Lacto or PDO and uh, a couple other things in there wow and it is the perfect blend to mimic Rodenbach. Okay. It is fantastic. Now, they... No bread. They were going to... I'm not sure. I hmm. have, have to ask. Uh, Greg Greg told me at one point what was in there, but I can't really remember. Okay. Um, all I know is they they do a, a masterful job with this thing. Right. And there's just no beating it. Okay. So they were going to pull this as a strain that uh, they weren't they weren't going to use anymore and... Uh, Keep it for themselves. <laughs> oh, people... Th- you know, said, ah, wait, 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 you can't get rid of that, you can't get rid of that. And yeah. I talked to Dave uh, Logston, I said, hey, you're getting rid of my Rose Lair. Yeah. And he goes, we are? He goes, ah, that doesn't sound right. So I guess you can still get the Rose Lair. You may have to um, ask them, but uh, last I talked to them, they are saying, yeah, 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 if you need Rose Lair, you know, uh, you, can, you can get Rose Lair. Yeah, we sold that before. So Yeah. And uh, you just toss it in. You don't have to smack the pack or anything. You just tear it open, pour the contents in. And this is in the bucket. In the bucket. Buried and, underground. And <laughs> just set it somewhere where your average temperature is in the, you know, mid-60s uh, to upper 60s. The temperature that you do this at is going to affect how fast this thing goes to completion. Pardon me. It's okay. And uh, so the warmer, the faster it's going to go, but it's also going to affect the amount of like vinegar character you get. Same thing with the amount of oxygen. Hmm. You need a, a hint of acetic or, or vinegar character in this. That's kind of part of a Flanders. You know, it, it isn't all uh, like lactic. It's uh, There's a hint of these yeah, other... Pseudobacter. But you don't want it too vinegary. Right. And, you know, your temperature and your ox- the amount of oxygen is going to affect the overall finish of that. Well, how do you do that? Uh, control temperature? Or yeah, no, no, how do you get that, that vinegar flavor into your beer? I mean, in well, the it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be as, as part of these, uh, the, the bugs that, that are in there. Oh, just happen naturally. Yeah, and also, you need some oxygen to get into this thing. Now, a plastic buck will actually give you too much oxygen. Okay. It's worked for me. But you're okay with that? But, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a bit too much and it's gonna maybe give you more of a vinegar character than you want. One of the things I, I've run some tests using a carboy with a plastic hood, uh, a guy, uh, Raj, uh, Opta, mm-hmm. 
he has a size sight and uh he's done a he worked out the calculations as to how much oxygen you need to get into these these beers and he has a thing on a site where he took like a oak uh chair leg and cut it off and he's got it tapered to fit <laughs> his carboy and he puts that in there and uses it kind of like a bung in the carboy and he lets it get wet and wick the the beer up and also uh, allow a certain amount of oxygen in he's calculated it based on what Rodenbach gets based on the size of their vats and the oak that they're using and the thickness and and because the the volumes are so large they get very little uh air in per gallon of right. uh, of uh, beer so he's got this thing worked out with the oak uh, chair leg. Yeah. And if you go to his site, I can't remember the name of the site, but if you look for Raj, uh, R-A-J, uh, Opta, it's like uh, A-P-T-E, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, Flanders, or Raj and Flanders, you'll probably find it. There's not a lot of Rajs talking about Flanders. And he's got a lot of interesting things on his site, and I've spoken with him. He's put a lot of thought into this. And it's worth reading what he's got there. And when I told him I was doing it in plastic buckets, he thought that that was you know, close to impossible. Really? Yeah. But yeah. the results are really good. So I've kind of kept that. There's, right now I've got one going. I did 10 gallons. I've got five in the plastic bucket and five in a carboy. And the interesting thing is that the you'll see a pellicle form. So you've, you've fermented this with uh, Cal-Ale yeast just to right. get the bulk of sugars out of the way and get you to a, a stable point. Then you add your bugs. And the thing about adding your bugs early on mm-hmm. is if the temperature is just right and the amount of yeast you pitch is just right and the yeast viability is just right and the oxygen is just right and everything's just right, you can, it, it'll end up at the right point and everything will be fine. Okay. But <laughs> when I did that, you know, sometimes it's way too sour, sometimes not sour enough. So, you know, and certain characters come just screaming out at you, and it's hard to get the thing to be consistent. Does it change over time, though, as it ferments? Uh, yes. But, okay. you know, it was hard for it to be consistent. And so what the reason I like doing this ale yeast first mm. and then the bugs is it's far more consistent. Right. There's less for the bugs to work on. So they tend to be a little more controlled, and you get more of what you're looking for. So that's why I do the ale yeast first. So you're getting it down there to in the 1020s, or you know, six Play-Doh or so, five or six Play-Doh, and then you're adding your bugs. And those bugs, you're gonna you'll put it in there. You put your your beer around, uh, uh, you know, 65 uh, degrees or or, or warmer, uh, you know, 18 degrees C uh, temperature. Yeah, 18 to 20, you know, 65 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And what will happen in a few weeks, depending on how much oxygen it has, uh-huh. the temperature and all this, it's going to form what's called a pellicle. It's a, like, like a, a white film? Or? You know, yeah, like a crusty, cheesy layer. Yum. And it'll, it'll be like, you know, a quarter inch thick or whatever. And it'll form on the surface of the beer. And nice. this is, uh, you know, protects the beer from the oxygen and things like that. And it's the bugs forming this thing. Cool. And what you need to have happen is, and people go, well, how do I know when it's done? Until the pellicle forms completely and then falls and breaks up and breaks, to, falls to the bottom, the beer's not ready. So wait till it drops. Yeah, you gotta wait till the pellicle drops. Okay. And then it's ready. Okay. So, you know, if you're really impatient, you can kind of shake it a little bit, but I wouldn't. I mm-hmm. just, I let it sit there. I look at it every few weeks just to make sure everything's fine. The airlock's topped off. You use an airlock. The thing is, 
in the plastic bucket. I've got this side by side right now. The pellicle formed and dropped in a quarter of the time. Oh no! That the that the carboy with the uh, the less uh, oxygen exposure, less oxygen had. Oh weird! Same so, beer and everything. Yeah. Huh. yeah, side by side, same bugs, everything. So the, is that because of, you have more surface area in the bucket? You think, and there's more no, air on the top too. I think it's I think it's all based on oxygen. Oh odd. So the amount of oxygen apparently has a huge effect in the formation and dropping of the pellet. So what are you going to do? Uh, drink it? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. It's kind of a confusing question. Yeah. Can't, so won't the bugs compete with the ale strain though? If you did them at the same time in the primary? Yes. Is that why you do them separate? Because you can manipulate the cow ale and right. All right, kill it at twenty and right. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. Because and the blend that they do in the in that. Y yeast Roselair pack. Mm-hmm. The blend in there is is great, and I'm sure you know it gets you gets you really close. But I think you really need to have a much better control over the parameters, such as temperature and oxygen and things like that, to get it to work out just right. Because mm. again, everything's competing with each other, and that's why I like to start with um, the yeah. you know Cali yeast. Or the 1056 ferment it down, mm. and then pitch the white yeast bugs, and then you just forget about it for one year. Yeah, it, it'll take at least six months to a year. Gnarly. And you know, once once it's uh, gone and the pellicle has dropped, then you go ahead and put that thing in a keg, yeah. or you could rack it to another carboy if you want and uh, seal it up and let it sit for you know another six months or so. Do you dedicate a keg to this type of? Bacteria, you know, exposure to your beer, or I used to, okay. and I used to be real concerned. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. anytime I uh, worked with these types of creatures for lambics mm-hmm. or uh, Flanders, so- something like that, I worried about it, thinking, oh, I'm going to contaminate all my other beers. You need separate equipment, all that. But uh, Dave Sampsis was telling me, he goes, well. You know, why, why are you concerned? He says, Stingy. you know, there's lactobacillus and pediococcus and, you know, enobacter and all this stuff all over the place. Good point. You know, your grain is covered in lactobacillus, but do you have any problems with, uh, you know, sour beers? No. Mm-hmm. So it's really based on, you know, the process and keeping your equipment clean. Now, soft plastic wear. Like the seals uh, on the kegs replace those? Yeah, even though, you know, I take my kegs completely apart. Okay. Every time. Wow. No matter what I use, uh, what beer's been in there. So, you know, taking these completely apart and giving them a thorough cleaning in P- hot PBW and, uh, you know, soaking them in sanitizer. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not concerned about any bugs that way. Now, my plastic goods, uh, the plastic buckets, I wouldn't use that plastic bucket for another beer just because plastic is so difficult to clean. Right. And plastic gets a, just a billion little micro scratches in it. It yeah. may seem smooth to you. Yeah. But you rub your hand across a bucket and you've added scratches to it. And the plastic's, no way. you know, fairly soft. Really? Very, very, very fine huh. stuff. What about know? glass? Glass, no. Glass, glass would be okay. Okay. So glass is much easier to clean. Okay. And uh, keep sanitized. So plastic buckets, I tend to wait until I have a plastic bucket that yeah, either dedicated or you know, it's I've been using it for other things, and then I want to make this, and I just go ahead and use it, and then I it becomes like a wastewater bucket for something else. Could could you spit in your beer and get to Flanders? <laughs> 
I mean, personally, I like yes, those. I probably could. Okay. But I don't recommend <laughs> this for the average your, brewer. Your genetic makeup, you, right. you, you have the, <laughs> the rosalera in your mouth. Yeah, I could probably, I could probably pee in your beer and cool. it would turn out fine. We should try that. Hail okay. the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I just wave, wave, yeah, I bless the beer and, and off it goes. Shit, you could pee on me. Yeah. All right, let's All right. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I I wouldn't uh, worry uh, too much about sanitation. You know, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be lax about sanitation though. You, this is something. This is control. Now, a lot of times, here's the big mistake people make: is they will have a beer that goes bad, and then they'll say, "Well, I'll call this a Lambic or a Flanders, or I'll call it Belgian." No, it's garbage. Just throw it out. <laughs> Okay, when you're making something like this, yeah. you, it's a very purposeful, very planned approach, and you need to control what you're doing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, keeping the, your process clean is an important part. Now, that doesn't mean you can't experiment with some of these things. Uh, Dave Sapsis, he uses like the sponge, the kitchen sponge, and grows that up and stuff, and he does all he sorts of really weird. He things. squeezes it all out when he wets it down. <laughs> no, I think he, you know, or I throw the sponge in. I've plated a sponge before, and it just horrible bacteria all over your kitchen sponge. What do you think about plating your mouth? Uh, I've spit on a plate before and like nothing grew. Oh, weird. Yeah. You're weird. That's that's not uh, normal. I've had my kids like cough and spit on plates and nothing comes out. Kitchen sponge, your kitchen is foul. I'll tell you that right now. You wouldn't want to see what grows off of that. That'd be a good show. A little lacto show? No. No. Justin's like, no. Anyways, uh, there's, you know, you need some some cleanliness there. So, all right. So when we get back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about uh, how to make a, a good Flanders. Early this morning, knocked upon my door. Early this morning, knocked upon my door. Wow! I feel good. Now, back to the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, Flanders Red Ale. Mm -hmm. And the recipes, all the recipes for these shows, we've done uh, 24, 25, 26 shows, 27 shows, something something like that. Wow. In In the upper 20s. All the recipes for these shows can be found. There's a link. If you go to www.thebrewingnetwork.com, go to the Jamil page, and you'll see the list of shows uh, that we've done, and you can download any of those and listen to old shows. And if you uh, scroll down to the end of that list, you'll find a link to uh, a site that has all our recipes on it. Nice. One day, maybe I'll have a recipe up. <laughs> I think you do. I think we put your Hellas recipe up there, too. Really? Yeah. I'm moving up in the world. You see, what you need to do is actually pay attention to what we're doing. Oh, right. And look and what see was that? What the I missed are. that. <laughs> and see what we're doing, because uh, I think we posted that there. All right. Not that anybody's downloading it, but we posted it anyway. So you, you read off your grain bill <laughs> earlier. Yeah. And according to the guidelines, they use flaked maize. Uh-huh. And my guess is they do that to dry it out a little bit, or... The fermentability purposes, but why don't you use any? Yeah, you know, flaked maize uh, can be uh, can help with the drying, but it also may not help with the drying. Depends on what mash temp you use. 
So they might be adding it just because it's corn doesn't mean it's going to be any more fermentable. When you when you add flake corn, mm-hmm. the same en- the enzymes that are converting your malt starches mm-hmm. are converting those corn starches, okay. right? And they're making the same types of sugar. Either they're making short chain sugars or long chain sugars. Just because it comes from corn doesn't make it a different type of uh, sugar. Okay. So you can end up with the uh, same thing with rice. Even you right. can end up with uh, you know a lot of body. Uh, off of, uh, you know, a high mash temp with rice or corn. The thing with corn is it adds a certain flavor, that kind of corn, uh, sweetness type, type of flavor to it. Do you think that would complement the, the bugs flavor at all? The corn? Uh, I suppose it could. Sour edge? I don't know. I suppose it could. Uh, you know, I haven't f- found the need for it. Yeah. And, and certainly you give that a shot. Huh. But, uh. Cause they're up to 20% usage. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot. Right. I mean, you just replace that all with crystal malts and specialty and aromatic and, wow. Again, I'm shooting for more of a balance between, uh, Rodenbach and Rodenbach Grand Cru. Okay. I'm shooting for the, the dead middle of that. You know, a little more sour than Rodenbach, but a lot less sour than Grand Cru. Mm. You know, for, for quite a drinkable experience. Well, you wrote yours by taste. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the way to do it right there. Yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, you know, you end up shot. with something. And this is one of my more complex uh, recipes as far as uh, grain pill goes. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about using acidulated malt? Well, the acidulated malt, I'm not uh, so sure. I, uh, or do you not even need it because of the bugs? Yeah, you don't need it for sourness. Um, if if you did use it, I don't think it's no no not going to be anywhere near what... Using the bugs will give you. Okay. And same thing for adding something like adding lactic acid later on mm-hmm. to the beer. It just doesn't taste the same. There's something very specific about the lactic acid and the, the other flavors and compounds that are created when the bugs uh, uh, sour up the beer. Mm-hmm. Those are really important to the overall perception of this. And you have to do it with the bugs. There's really no other way to do it. Right. Same thing for Berliner Weiss and... Uh, lambics and things like that. I've been to brew pubs where they'll brew some sort of a beer and then they add like lactic acid and they'll call it like a lambic or they'll call it, you know, whatever. That's cheating. And it, yeah, same, it's though. just, it, it's not the same. It's not, you know, you can make something that's, uh, drinkable, but, you know, if you're, it, it's, it's like having sex with your sister, I guess, you know, it's. <laughs> that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wrong. It you may still have offspring. You know, <laughs> you may you may go go that route just because you know you can't get anything else, right? You know, but if you have a chance to use the bugs instead, yeah, yeah. that's the way you really should be going. Because you could use lactic acid to sterilize yourself. I don't maybe. I, <laughs> I had a home brewer once use lactic acid. And he he used the wrong dosage compared to phosphoric acid, uh-huh. and it was oh, it was just disgusting. really sour beer. Sour beer. Yeah, it was like a blonde ale gone sour. It was farmhouse ale, I guess. Well, no, again, it's not. It's not. Yeah, you can use the bugs. Yeah, you gotta use the bugs. My bad. Right. Right. And if something, if you have a beer that didn't turn out right, you know, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, well, and you can have beers where it's like, oh, yeah, the gravity was a little high, gravity was a little low, I was shooting for a Scottish 70 shilling, end up a little high, okay, call it an 80, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, you know, I was shooting for a 70 and end up low, call it a 60 shilling, that's cool, no problem. But if you make but, a bad beer. Yeah, when something, you know, tastes like ass, and it was supposed to be a nice, clean, you know, American Amber Ale, it is not 
you know, Flanders Red. <laughs> it's not a Lambic. It's not yeah. a Belgian beer. And don't email me about that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amber that tastes like ass. Yeah. You know, those types of beers you want to throw out. I got sad news for you. <laughs> I had to dump my first batch in three years. Oh, yeah? And I had a brownie. It'll go bad. It the, like, the, uh, well, the air, I never saw bubbles come out, and I think there was this air exposure going into my fermenter, uh-huh. and it tasted like ass. It had a sour edge to it, and I was like, maybe it'll go away in a week. No, and I just dumped all 10 gallons right to the floor. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, okay. And, you know, the- Justin's like, oh, fuck, I would have drank it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's walking over the drain right now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, it's just bad beer. And, well, away. and that's the thing. I think the people that, or the, the the better brewers know when to cut their losses and not screw around with it. Now, if you wanted to experiment with it and I don't know, waste more time and, and money on it, you could. But you know, the savvy brewers are going to say, "No, this isn't turning out right, and there's really no hope of recovery. Let me just pitch it now. Mm-hmm. Let me get everything sanitized. Let me start again. You know, I I want to have this this beer ready. I need to get going." Well, that's a good segue, actually. If you're a home brewer and you're dealing with this stuff and mm-hmm. bugs mm-hmm. in your home brew brewery, how do you keep this from contaminating your other ale batches that you don't want the bugs in? Do you have any tips, like keeping stuff clean? Yeah, or? you know, don't uh, you know stick your sampler yeah. in, in in this and then stick it in something else. What about plastic tubing and stuff? Plastic tubing. If you can have another set of plastic tubing. Uh, if you're using racking canes, I don't use a racking cane, but if you use racking cane, mm-hmm. get yourself a separate one, you know, and have a separate set of plastics for this sort of thing. The, the real hard goods that like the glass, uh, fermenters and stuff are okay. Okay. But plastic stuff have a separate set. It's, it's really not gonna jump from fermenter to fermenter, but if you keep some distance between your, your fermenter, your fermenters, if you have a, Blonde ale going and uh, this Flanders going. Just keep them in separate areas. Okay. And you need to find a place for the Flanders anyways mm-hmm. that's going to sit for six months to a year. So I have a downstairs bathroom in my house. It's, it's in the shaded part of the house, so it stays fairly cool all the time. And in the shower in there, then that's where all my Flanders go. Wow. Inside that shower. So you don't have roommates come over at all and stay? People come over. Shower with your fermenters? Well, the people that come over and stay at my house? <laughs> yeah. They understand. Doesn't bother them. <laughs> That's cool. Like, oh, okay. The Flanders are in there. Yeah. You know, they'll you bathe in the sink because you know the Flanders are going. You know, uh, Colin always told me to said, you know, bacteria doesn't go up; it goes down. I mean, when my right. milk goes sideways or whatever, but it falls. Yeah, you know, all the the dust and stuff around your house covered in bacteria, wild yeast, things like that. All the plants outside your house covered in. Wild yeast and there's bacteria on on the dust particles. Okay, and you can have a wind. That's why you don't want to stir up if you're working with uh, plates or yeast or things like that. You don't want breezes. Turn off your air conditioner or your heater in your house. Hmm. Close the windows. Ask people. I tell my family don't walk around in the kitchen when I'm you know doing something or you know if I'm working on yeast don't walk around. Just you know leave. Let me have the room in peace for a little while. Yeah. Because I don't want them stirring up the air. Right. And just let the air be calm for 15 minutes. Hmm. And all the dust and stuff settles down. And then you have a much safer environment to work in. Hmm. And, yeah, everything, it's like starters. I don't 
put a stopper in my starters or an airlock or anything like that. I just use a uh, hunk of aluminum foil. Yeah. And as long as you've got that sealed up, you know, the things aren't going to crawl up in there. Right. Bacteria don't have no legs. They don't crawl. <laughs> Same for wild yeast. It is scary. They're not crawling uh, critters. You know, fruit flies and stuff like that, if you got those, fruit flies They're or full. ants, they will, uh, you know, go in. They have acetobacter, right? Fruit flies? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they, they will, they got all sorts of things all over them. So they will, and they also, you know, they crawl around on uh, plants and fruits and stuff and they can pick up yeast as well on their legs. I hate fruit flies. Where the hell do they come from? You know, you're hanging out in your living room and all of a sudden there's a fruit fly in your beer. You know, I didn't see it on my table or my couch, but there's a fruit fly in your beer. It could be 30 degrees in your house and there's a fruit fly. I didn't, I just had the vent, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, yeah, uh, I'm just stunned. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> threw you up for a whirl there. Huh? Yeah, I uh, don't, I don't know what to say. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, you, you want to keep things fairly covered so they can't get in, and they will, uh, you know, be nosing around this stuff. So on my bucket and my carboy that I have right now, I have airlocks on them just because I don't want the fruit flies to get in. Hmm. If you're an extract brewer, can you brew Flanders? That's an excellent question. You can. It's going to be tricky, and actually at the Doe's Christmas party, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he said, hey, I brewed this Flanders based on your, you know, recipe using extract. He's like, converted extract and tried it. And it was pretty darn good. Nice. And I thought that the uh, the thing he really got right was really the souring and the bugs and all that mm-hmm. were pretty darn close on. Cool. I think his beer needed a little more malt character, uh-huh. but uh, I thought that uh, I was very impressed. And I actually drank like a couple glasses of of that, and he was kind of shocked. <laughs> it was funny, Justin, Jamil, and I. After the event, we were just walking around with our breathalyzers, breathalyzing ourselves, just making sure we could drive safe. That was after the Christmas those Christmas party. Uh, yeah, <laughs> good for you guys. Yeah, that's what you should be doing. Exactly. So, another, do you have an extract recipe or not? Another odd side. <laughs> <laughs> your your the coffee's kicking in. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't have an extract recipe. But I suppose you could replace the the Pilsner malt with a Pilsner extract and the Munich malt uh, with Munich extract, if you can get that. But then there's the Vienna. So really you end up having to partial mash this. Now, the one thing I think on the horizon is uh, Weyermann has uh, a couple of extracts made from like Munich malt and Vienna and Pilsner and all that. Cool. They got those these amber extracts that they're doing. Really? And I think that if we could get hold of a couple of those, those might be a really good way to go. That'd be popular. Yeah, I a think... A Vienna extract, that'd be great. Well, they've got extracts, I think, uh, where you can just uh, use the extract and make it like an Oktoberfest. Oh, that's already pre-made. Yeah. Wow. And from a company that really knows, you know, yeah. malts and, and making those kinds of things. Huh. So that's pretty impressive. I'll give uh, Frank a call. Frank Commande. Yeah. And Brewer Supply Group. And, uh, yeah, see if you guys can get a hold of that. Cause, yeah. Uh, I think it'd be wonderful to, to try that. And if you had something like that, I think you could make, it would open up a world of um, uh, recipes to extract brewers. And they wouldn't have to do partial mash or anything like that. I think this would, this beer would work well. If you could get an extract like that, and you wouldn't have to to uh, partial mash at all, cool. I think it it would be fine. <clears throat> and uh, someone in the chat room was asking, uh, "Can we look at these bugs under the microscope?" You can. You need 
uh, a high enough power microscope to be able to look at, uh, you know, bacteria and things like that. And you're going to need like a oil immersion, uh, thousand, thousand X. Do you, are you looking for a color for a certain bug or how do you? They're like rods and cones and, oh, right. you know, the shape. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know. That's hardcore if you're doing that to make a Flanders. Like, <laughs> I'd love to try. That's cool. Yeah, I always say, you know, leave it to the experts when they can do something for you to, you know, simplify things for you. You know, leave it to the experts and, and in yeasts, there's, you know, we're really lucky to have white labs and to have Y yeast. Hmm. And in the case of making a Flanders red and making a really good one, you want to get your hands on that rose layer from Y yeast, and that is going to make you an excellent Flanders red. That is, you know, key. huge, huge in it. That is more than fifty percent of this wow. process. So the other fifty is a really getting the good right brew. grain bill. Yeah. Well, and I'd say that you know yeast is you know ninety five percent of making a beer proper fermentation, but you know, as far as the components go, I would give up, you know, some of the grains just to have the rose layer yeast blend. And it would still be a Flanders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would throw this recipe out and use a completely different grain bill as long as I had the rose layer uh, blend. There you go. So that's, you know, that is, you know, a huge key to uh, brewing this beer. Well, good show. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think we covered never, that quite well. I've never brewed one of these, but you've inspired me. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad. I'm glad I've moved you, John. Yeah. All right. The uh, next show we're going to have uh, coming up in two weeks is going to be I don't know. You know, go to the website Roganbacher or uh, the Rye Beer. Oh, right here. Oh, Rogan. Right. Rogan. 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 Oh, yeah. cool. That's a, that's a great beer. But you can find it on the website, uh, www.thebrewingnetwork.com. Yes. Good show. Bruce, Bruce Strong, John. Bruce Strong. Bruce Long. <laughs> Long and strong. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Are you guys done? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>